Hey everybody, you're listening to the Improv Conspiracy Podcast. My name's Simon McCulloch and this episode is on how you shouldn't believe everything you hear. Conspiracy Podcast with your host, Bronnie. Hello there, my friends. Welcome. Good to have you. Thanks for being here. Let's get into it. i got a lot of things I want to get through in this little intro and I want to try to keep it short. Today I'm speaking with Sam McCulloch. He is a comedian, a video maker, uh, a, a improv teacher, the sketch coordinator at the Improv Conspiracy and a producer of the house sketch show and Dirt. He wears a lot of hats. And he wears them well. Um, he's talking today about uh, not believing everything you hear or something to that effect. I can't quite remember. You would have just heard him say it at the top of the show. Oh, well. Um, this uh, show was quite lengthy. Uh, we spoke for about an hour. And uh, I've cut that down to this 30 minutes. So I apologize if there's any threads that uh, seem to have gotten lost. Or if uh, a thread seems to get referenced that you don't understand because I've neglected to leave in uh, the thing that it's referring to. I apologize if that's the case. One of the things I did have to cut out is uh, an era of TIC history where we used to perform with um, people eating palmas off their laps in the front row of our shows. Absolutely bizarre time uh, to the point where I remember being in uh, group games where we would literally eat chips out of people's laps. Uh, the height of comedy. It was silly. Um, I'm glad that doesn't exist anymore for us. Uh, also, I must offer this disclaimer. Um, at the top of this show, uh, Simon infers that improv wasn't really a thing in Melbourne <laughs> before TIC and before he was doing it. Um, and I knew what he meant at the time, and I, so we didn't really address it. Um, but then as I listened back to it, I heard that it sounds a little bit more uh, inaccurate than I know it was intended uh, what he's referring to is uh, improv in the structure that we do it in terms of uh, having house teams, uh, having a large ensemble split into house teams that stay together all the time uh, and perform the Herald Weekly in the sort of business uh, structure and format that we do as a theatre, which is directly influenced by Chicago-style schools in the States. Um, that wasn't really a thing in Melbourne. People certainly had done the Herald in Melbourne. There was lots of improv in Melbourne. There was Impro Melbourne, for example, who have been around for many, many years, well, way before we came along uh, and produced and still produces many uh, very accomplished improvisers whom I respect and adore. Um, so by no means is Simon inferring, nor are we as a company inferring that improv in Melbourne was not a thing <laughs> before we did it. Um, I hope that's clear. Uh, and that is all I need to say about that, I hope. Um, without any further nonsense from me, let's hear from Simon McCulloch, everybody. I started improv like eight years ago now when no one, it wasn't as fascinating a topic or, a, or an endeavor for the majority of Melbourne. And one of the byproducts of that was I just got to walk onto a Harold team and I should not have been there. We did like, I did three levels of classes. I'd never done any performance before. I shouldn't have been on stage in front of an audience at all. And 
uh, <laughs> the results absolutely showed that. I spent like six months on the sideline of Harold's team called Foggy Windows, basically watching everybody else mop up from the cavern that I created <laughs> on, on in that team uh, on, on that stage. And one of the things I wanted to talk about mostly is that there's a lot of catchphrases and platitudes like um, embrace failure and learn to love failure. But if someone tells you that, they'd never really back it up with how much it stings after you've been doing this for eight months and then your mum and your sister and your cousin come to watch you <laughs> do a show <laughs> and you kind of skunk it for the rest of the team and just kind of freeze up and stand there. Like that's something you've got to go home and take <laughs> take to bed with you and probably think about it eight years later on an, on an improv podcast with Bronnie as, as you just relive that, that experience. Where I'm kind of going with this, uh, I guess, is that nothing I gained from a class changed how my body feels on stage and nothing would take the panic away and the feeling that you can't contribute or you don't have enough to contribute. There's no catchphrase like someone saying, Hey man, uh, learn to love the failure. That didn't change my, my mind about it and think, hell yeah, I'm just going to go out there and eat shit and love it. Cause it hurts. It hurts. No one, no one tells you it hurts and you take it home with you. Something I see around the theatre a lot and in any improv book is a whole bunch of, of platitudes and phrases, just like learn to love fail failure. Like even Forbes, that money magazine, the way they talk about failure, in, like in the last 10 years is very uh, plastic and surface level where they will show like Elon Musk and like how, how failure set him up for success. Uh, and that's fine for him because he's a billionaire at this point in time. So his failures meant something. And it's kind of the same as when um, Stephen Colbert would talk about failure as well, about him on the Second City main stage, just like eating shit in an improv scene. And it's fine from his perspective as well, because on the Second City main stage, he was a very talented performer and now he has a late night show. Whereas the majority of people are just going to fail at improv and that that's kind of the ceiling for them. There's no other performance high to look back on and <laughs> shine a glowing spotlight on. You just kind of rocked up ate shit and sometimes like one of the most disconnected um periods that i've ever felt is um the expectation of positivity and that never connected me i understand it completely as a performance style where you need to accept what someone else is giving you to create a decent scene that that i 100 percent understand what i don't care for is running off stage when it fucking sucked and everyone just being like great show dude high-fiving and we all know the six people in the audience were more focused on eating their palmer and like trying not to engage in the shame of the performance than anybody else it feels so dishonest and i don't want to like yuck anybody's yum i feel like fuck yeah celebrate the fact you did something but for me the only time it felt good after a bad show is when someone was like yep and then went out for a beer like that 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 was a genuinely connecting moment for any point in time on that team or on any team i bet even performing with ryan right now um it's very easy because ryan doesn't like we don't big each other up after a, after a stinker we just walk off and be like oh fuck what the hell and i think that's kind of important in in a lot of ways You mentioned this period of time. We'll get to all your uh, 
philosophy. And it's funny because you haven't actually mentioned the word philosophy yet, but uh, when you were texting me about it, you were like, you know, you butt heads with people's philosophy and you don't know how people have a philosophy and all this, all this sort of thing. And I just wanted to tell you, you're sort of a forming a philosophy of your own. <laughs> of mm, your own. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to engage with that at this, all. This is how philosophy's come about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like I, I think that's fine, but I feel like my philosophy's kind of come around things that I don't like. And like a lot of my personality that I don't like about myself is that like I have strong opinions on what I don't like. And I, I'm always trying to challenge myself to find things that I do like like what is going to move me forward in this thing so it's very easy for me to poo poo and nay say a bunch of shit but it's not productive it's not really that productive well it's that and i'm sorry i'm going to give you a something i would say in improv um Mm -hmm. like if you are playing a character who hates something i'll always challenge the student to like figure out what's the opposite of that because if you hate something you must love something else so like what is that what's the thing that you love i don't i don't know i don't know like if we're talking like the thing about like improv platitudes. Yeah. Um, I, this may be, maybe along those lines, like I feel like a note makes sense for a scene you've just done and nothing else. And that's it. You can't come in and just be like, uh, be present. Like that's another thing. And I know you've got that t-shirt and it's a delightful t-shirt, <laughs> but telling me to be present, um, yeah, yeah. as a, as a concept is not going to make me not feel the heat of an audience's eyes for or sure. anything like that. So yeah. like, I can't take that with me into a scene. I have to, and I, I don't like the, the phrase of like, just do the reps, just do the reps, uh-huh. just do the reps. Cause again, that's just a phrase like, shut up. Sometimes I don't get reps to do like, and I can't, and I can't, and, it, and it's, and it's yeah. damaging, but like, that is the only thing that like took all the anxiety out of this as well. And I think another thing about, I just thought of this about failure. Like mm-hmm. when you like, if you've only done like five shows and they all suck, that's a hundred percent of your experience. Yeah. If you've done a thousand and like 150 of them sucked, yeah. you, it, it, like it washes off your back a lot easier. Yeah. So I think it's more important, especially earlier on when people would just be like, learn to love the failure, dude, that you don't just stop at saying that you like show anyone you're talking to um, the times where you lost sleep over a stupid little improv show, because like it, something I think about often is like, I've been the worst part of somebody's night a number of times. Like (laughs) someone has come to an improv show and I've been the worst part of that. Um, And that's like, (laughs) that's in the back of my mind. (laughs) That's so untrue though, isn't it? No, I don't think so. Because of your performance? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I guess, I guess like worst could, is a, is a sliding scale because maybe they had a really great night, <laughs> but I, like, <laughs> I can't imagine a bad improv show is like a stain on someone. It's only a stain on you because of your, I mean, the, the problem that we're going to have is like, I am going to always be coming at you with with things that you hate hearing. Yeah, great. Because it's like it. you've we've popped you and I together and it's like the opposite ends of the spectrum <laughs> in terms of our approach, I think. Um because yeah, I would I would go like I would just call that you're in a critic, right? But you'd but you'd then go like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about when you when you say in a critic, it's me, I'm Simon. 
Yeah, and also I'm allowed to have an inner critic. I'm a, I'm, like, sure. I'm, a, I'm allowed to think that show was a piece of shit when I was garbage because uh-huh. like my performance wasn't up to scratch. That's okay. Like I don't want like to sweep that under the rug. Like again. But do you have to be as mean to yourself that you're the worst part of someone's life? I, I don't listen unless I'm yelled at. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, great yeah go on well, that's, that's just kind of <laughs> it and like obviously there's like some part of me that's trying to protect me myself like you know if i and i'm not saying this is not like it's a way i live my life i'm not like always trying to beat myself up harder so no one else can beat me up yeah yeah, yeah. but like uh, there's an element of i i, I understand that approach 100 percent. Right. yeah um but i don't I, I don't like being lied to like coming off stage and like having you had and it was shit and like i uh-huh. i would rather somebody like someone be like fuck that that stank yeah um oh well next week rather than like here are some good things that happen even though that's that, that's beneficial and i'm not saying that's not beneficial uh-huh. but i just if someone i feel like sometimes the culture of positivity is strangling and and yeah my favorite um notes i ever got they it was i couldn't wipe the smile off my face uh throughout them even though we were being yelled at where um <laughs> i did a guest show i guested with now i'm 10 um this is years ago now uh and it was easily the worst show i've probably ever been in it was terrible and we all felt like it was terrible and then we got back into the office and ed chalmers was their coach and <laughs> Uh, and because they were guest, because I was guesting, and me and Josh were guesting, he said that we didn't have to come to notes if we didn't want, because mm-hmm. it was going to be brutal. And I was like, "No, I want to come." And it was brutal. He was so mean, <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of loved it because I was a little bit like they did. They it did get to a point where I was like, "I, I, I don't need to be told right anymore." Not anymore. Like I do like to hear when I've done a good job, but I'm. I'll hear that from my friends and I want my coach these days to tell me all the shit that stank. Um, and I think the, that takes a long time for that switch to flick. I'm not going to tell a level one their scene sucked. Mm. Um, but I will tell a level five. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's like knowing when to, to turn that key and be a little bit more honest. And like, I'm like, again, like everything, I want to preface everything I say with like, I'm an insane hypocrite. It's maybe the fact that you're talking to me today that I feel this way about, like, I genuinely, this is like the majority of how I feel all the time. Right. But in the past, like when I was getting like good and I felt comfortable on stage, um, Mm -hmm. I remember like one note session with Andrew Watt and I thought I'd fucking killed it. I was getting laughs. I was doing things. I was in a lot of scenes, which as we all know, they're the the big things that (laughs) you've done a successful show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah. And he was like giving me notes. And in my, in my head, this is like the, this is like the shittiest I've been. I was like, whatever, dude, I was great out there. What are you talking about? And then like for three weeks, I wouldn't listen to what he said. Yeah. Um, you little shit. Yeah. Like Matt, I didn't like clap back anymore or anything, but like, yeah. yeah. And, and like, I know that this is going against everything I'm laying out right now where I don't want to be like built up. Um, but I, I, and like, I think that's why that period of time sticks out with me. I remember that four week period of just being like, whatever, dude, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, Oh, I had the same thing with Kang. Um, 
but it was really early on. I was a real baby because I was the same as you. I got put on a Harold team before I was supposed to because no one else was interested in being on a Harold team. And it was back when we used to train two teams at a time and Kang would train both teams at once. And we would do notes for the show after uh, – we would do notes for the show at the start of training. Uh, so we'd done a show and I was playing some like – I was playing some guy who aged fast or something. <laughs> something like that. Hell yeah. And I remember just like I did the whole spectrum of a guy's life in like one scene. And it was so dumb. But people were laughing at it and I thought it was really fun. And then at the start of the uh, – it was my first ever notes session. That was like my first show ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and my first ever notes session and we're standing in a big circle. There's like fucking 30 of us. Well, there'd be 20 of us. And it gets to me and Kangas is like, uh, so Bronny, you played this guy who what ages fast or something like that? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, what is that shit? Like, don't do that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, the audience was laughing. And he goes, I don't care what the audience was doing. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was just like, fuck you, man. <laughs> I didn't get improv. And I've never respected it. him since. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Look. And people are too too quick to forgive in improv. I think you got to hold that grudge and die on that hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I'm doing a real long play to get him back. <laughs> this is it from inside the company. <laughs> yeah. And you said uh, that you you sort of bucked it, you know, get your reps, that that idea. But you also said, um, and I don't mind that you contradicted. I'm just pointing out a contradiction. Um, I'm going to a number of times. Yeah, for, that, like as long as this goes on. Yeah. Um, I'm just here to help you eke them out, man. Um, <laughs> you, you said, um, like you didn't get, you, nothing that happened in classes changed the way you felt on stage and stuff like that. But no. then also there's a period of time between the guy who got on Harold way too early and now who is like a good, reliable, consistent improviser, in my opinion, maybe not in yours. So like reps is probably, is would you say reps is the, is the reason for that? I, I, th- I think it has to be because that's the only thing that consistently happened, yeah. really. But in that time, like, I still did a lot of different classes and it might just be because, like, I, I don't understand myself that I can't pinpoint the things that really, like, help turn me around. Yeah. But it's mostly that, like, no single bit of advice because, like, I, wa- I wanted everything to fix me. I read all the fucking books. I listened to all the podcasts. I took every single class and I'd get a nugget of something and I'd hold on to it until it didn't work. And it doesn't, it doesn't work. Like every, everyone. And again, this is like my issue with like improv philosophies. Like um, it's, it's fine for you and that's awesome for you. And like listening to an improv podcast, like it's, it will be entertaining and it will feel like development, but it's not reading TJ and Dave's book is going to feel nourishing, but it's not, it's nice. It's cool. And it's like entertaining to see or yeah, hear their perspectives on things. But for me personally, I can't read something and then take it onto a scene. And like, I don't think this, this is broad. I don't think language and words are a good way to describe improv and i'm uh-huh. not trying to be like a dancing about architecture fucking thing at all <laughs> sounds like you're following a philosophy <laughs> <laughs> i'm out of this podcast I quit. <laughs> god sorry 
but it, it is like we're trying to convey something each time uh-huh. and it's it's not it's it's all we've got so again i'm not trying to take away from that but it's imperfect and it just so happens that none of that connected with me i desperately wanted to uh-huh. every single book everything yeah but i think I think it's important to view these things as entertaining because you're interested in them, uh-huh. not as developmental tools. But again, why listen to me? Because I've already read that shit and listened to all that stuff. And I, I'm effectively just telling you something yeah. from my own perspective. Yeah. So don't listen to me and don't listen to anybody else. <laughs> um, read the books if you want, but don't expect to get anything out of it. Because my experience with the books, uh, there's a bunch of them I don't like. Like, I hate the UCB manual and I hate it as a teacher as well because I see when a student has picked it up and they're like, it's in their bag or in their hand on their mm-hmm. way to class and it actively makes them struggle yeah. because, like, they're getting conflicting points of view from their teacher in that book. Because, um, like, it's a book that really tries to teach, whereas I think the flip side is the TJ and Dave book, for me, felt like... It felt a little bit more like it wasn't teaching me anything. It was validating me a little bit, a little bit, mm. because I, like you, I think it's a little imperfect. Um, it's an imperfect art form, and there is a lot of impulse to it. And the more we try to intellectualize it, the more we're getting dry, homogenized junk yeah. that I don't want to watch much. And the more that you see someone just fucking active in the and having a play, the more I'll come back. And you know, reading that made me go like oh, wait, this is allowed? Like, two of the best in the world mm. are saying, like, hey, it's not it's not a fucking... It's not ones and zeros and ticking these boxes. But then they even call it out themselves. They call out exactly what you're saying. They There's that chapter that starts with, like, um, the publisher wouldn't let us release a book that just said improv is listening. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think that's, I think that's nice. I think let it validate you don't hang your hat on their way of doing it it was i've been doing this for like five years and i think you were in the in the office when after a remix i was like i don't understand what you mean by point of view and i'd be like i've done a million remixes at that point and but like the way people yeah the way people throw around that term and then just don't back it up like what's a point of view and then like a there's like the the hannah and the sisters fucking thing like it's it's the same with heightening. Heightening is such a bananas thing to um, try and explain like that, but more also how about you explore that character and make it more intense. The easiest way to define that, I think, is like dial up the emotion and yeah. uh, the care about that. But it reminds me of that UCB graph of like heighten, explore, heighten, explore, heighten, explore. That's It's not anything. And like you can't be like someone who works in a bank but also loves guns and then there's like a, a right amount to talk about guns. <laughs> <laughs> and like I like, like worked myself into a, a tizzy trying to figure this out and like uh-huh. what's the point of view? Like it, it's so blatantly broad what is the one what is it to you point of view yeah you're trying to make me (laughs) put it into a nice little nugget no but you do have an answer it doesn't need to be nice or a nugget i know i have an answer yeah it's just whatever i'm interested in at that point in time whatever but but it's whatever it's whatever i think is funny and this is something else because like you are and i get why shamed in level one and two to not be funny and it's usually at the people who are trying to make jokes and be funny. 
but that's my taste and no one's t like point of view takes taste out of it they're just like what's your character's point of view rather than what do you find funny about this character what are you the person interested in about this particular thing it's just mm -hmm. like what's their point of view i don't i don't fucking know i just made them up they they're a bank teller who likes guns what do you think they're interested in you're giving me the note you found something funny in it maybe i didn't i wanted to talk about cakes and they're and it's like look it's very convoluted um and i'm certain i'm not remotely as clear and concise as like it feels in my head and just the annoyance of someone be like what's the point if you just dig down dig down dig dig down i had three years of people telling me to fucking dig down what do you mean dig down on what more of that that's insane i hate it <laughs> What I'm trying to say is if these things frustrate you and you don't understand it, I didn't, people told me point of view, which is a fundamental thing you're taught in level two. And up until like three years ago, I still had a problem with it. Um, but like, I, I'm dumb. So if you're also dumb, it's fine. It's fine. And it's the teacher's fault for not clarifying what the hell they mean. You're saying all this. And again, in my opinion, maybe not yours, you're a really good improviser. So something, and that's why I know that you have answers to these things. It's like, it's like but for me, for yeah, I know, me. I know, but there are people who there it's like, it's any teaching. It's like, yeah. um, you know, a teacher, a good teacher is trying to access, you know, a wide range of different, um, learning styles or people, but the, your job in this podcast is like, yeah, what's just, what's your, what do you think? Cause that's going to connect mm -hmm. with someone. And so it's like, maybe you feel like it's just for you, but there's definitely another Simon McCulloch out there who's like, fucking, every time Bronnie speaks in class, I fucking hate it because I don't get it. I don't understand. And other people seem to think it's great or some shit. Or he seems to think it's great himself. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> and people in class will like, will think it's great. And that's like, that's awesome. But, but also I think it's just like, yeah, yeah, nah, that's, oh, hell yeah, let's do that from now on. Yeah. And they, they might not understand as well. And you mentioned um, like these quotable little lessons that people throw out. They don't really connect with you. And I, I've always found it funny that there's one on our wall at the theatre that like once a term, I'll point to it and be like, does anyone actually know what that means? And everyone will be mm -hmm. like, nah, it's that be more Godzilla and less King Kong one. What the heck? What is that? <laughs> yeah, it's so ambiguous and annoying because, like, <laughs> on the surface, if you're not actually fucking giving a shit, it's like they're just two big monsters. <laughs> but it's like, I, it's essentially, I, I think it's like, um, you know, be aggressive and burn the city down. Like, don't be passive and mm. a victim to the police. Um, <laughs> <laughs> No, I added that last bit. Yeah, you um, think that, that poster just says ACAB? <laughs> yeah. No, it's be, pass uh, be active, not passive. Um, mm -hmm. But it is like, I don't know, like one guy, I mean, I throw metaphors out fucking willy-nilly in class and to the point where sometimes I get to the end of a metaphor, I'm like, that fuck, that sucked. But I feel like the Be More Godzilla things and those all the things that are on our walls are like, a teacher said that in one class Mm -hmm. Um, and then like, it's been taken to represent something that actually is, is messier than what they've said. Mm. Um, and more dynamic as well, like more, um, scene, uh, uh, scene specific. 
Mm. So it's because it's like if you're always, you can't always be Godzilla. Yeah. Sometimes you got to be King Kong <laughs> because <laughs> that's what the scene's doing. Yeah. And so it's like that. I think you're you're making a good point, and like it's messier than than those little neat phrases. Yeah, I wish it was neat. I'd, I'd be I'd be happy if it was neat. Yeah. Seven years ago, me would be very happy if it was neat. <laughs> yeah. And your point about notes being are in the moment and they, uh, they, you know, aren't universal. Uh, can you blow that up more? Yeah, I guess it is coming from like those distilled platitudes. Also, before I get into this, the the drink will drink drink wine from 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 their skulls. Oh, yeah. Like I, what that signifies to me is like I've seen people have like pump up things before they do a show. Uh huh. Um, I never want to do that because I feel like I'm setting myself up for failure. Uh-huh. Like getting excited to go to a show has never worked. I'd get like amped up and then I'd get on the show and it's my body changes. Then yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. it's the very difference. I don't understand how one relates to the other. Uh-huh. I wish I could get into a fun mindset to be like, I'm going to take this on stage. It doesn't it's, walk through the door, step on the stage. People looking at me very different. <laughs> yeah, nothing yeah. translates. Yeah. I don't see how everything can't just relate to the exact specific scene before because it, any, you can do anything like there's never going to be anything that you can like pop in your pop in your backpack and deploy on every single scene um because you're expecting an an outcome from there and like like this this will be the closest i think anything i say that follows neatly back to just listen which obviously everything does everything does it's very that's an easy platitude to just hang your hat on and it'll be fine whatever dynamic just happened that's that's that and that's done it's not gonna happen again by like obviously by definition but like like i wanted to hang on to a scene a scene note like if someone's like hey simon you got to get out more i'll just treat that as something i know i'm not i'm not delivering a sufficient answer on this again like in preparation for this interview by the way like i wrote out every single failure improv wise that i can remember and it, it's eight years worth like i've got wow. a lot like specific one time this was in response to the the idea of being bold uh-huh. like i get what it i get what it means but i wanted to be bold one time and i just walked out in the remix scene and before the person initiated i just said oh hell yeah in a really loud <laughs> voice and it and it and it died and i was like well never being bold again because like because and and i understand as well that like a lot of this is me just not understanding the intent of words. Uh-huh, <laughs> like uh-huh. I'm just, it's just a comprehension deficit that I have uh-huh. um, rather than me railing against platitudes that I don't understand. So look, <laughs> if I maybe have a learning issue and maybe that's what we're taking away from this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, I think, but I, I do think it's worth noting that like, teachers and students could do better to like clarify please <laughs> like if you'd been told if you had said like hey what do you mean by be bold a the teacher might have an answer or they might go fuck i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and then they might question why they said it and why they're just spitting things that they've been told before i think students are definitely hearing this and going like yeah half that shit doesn't make sense to me either and what i would say to them you would probably say something different but i would say fucking put your hand up or don't you have to put your hand up but say i hey what the fuck do you mean by that yeah but i also like i also understand not wanting to put your hand up because a lot of yeah, these yeah. things are basic concepts yeah. that like people just treat as like what do you mean like and you feel like an idiot so i did i didn't put my hand up 
Yeah. I hate putting my hand up. But it is like, it's, it's like the Godzilla thing because I'll point to that sometimes in class. I'll be like, does anyone know what that means? Yeah. Mm. And they'd all be like, uh, no. Nah. And I'm like, I bet you that's half the things I say is you, mm. like, you don't know what it ac- what I actually meant. Yeah. Um, and I fucking love talking, so make me tell you what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some advice. Because you have all these fucking grudges about about yourself, (laughs) about your failures. Um, How long are you allowed to be annoyed about them? Um, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks that, like, if I let them go, then I'll open myself up to folly for not remembering the past. But, like, I'm not... I don't beat myself up about this. Yeah, I yeah. just remember what it's like. Yeah. And I hate it when some shiny billionaire on TV is just like, <laughs> yeah, man, just got to just fail a bunch and then it'll be sweet. Cause yeah. it's, it's not, yeah. it, you got to live for those failures in those parts. So if someone's like throwing off shiny, nice sounding, cozy things, like don't buy into that. If it doesn't line up to you. Our suggestion is forgery. I think um, the the head's a bit weird on this one. Oh, you want me to? Do you want me to keep sculpting a little more, or? Oh yeah, I just don't think it lines up. Well, I don't know. I, I'm worried that I'll, I've chipped too much off now, and. Well, there's no reason that um, that the that the that the, the, the bust of um, bust can't be a bit more svelte than um than in the other pictures. Right, yeah, but at a certain point, it's not going to look anything like you. Well, maybe for posterity's sake, maybe let's say hypothetically, in five years' time, I, I, I get pretty jacked. <laughs> well, that's that's all well and good, but I, I mean personally, I don't really believe that that's in you. Oh, well, I, I, historically, you can't prove what I do in the future and i think the way i feel is on the inside is less less than you're hurting my feelings with that bust i I can't listen i can't say what you'll do in the future but as you can see by these yearly busts we've made of you i I can see what you've done in the past and it's you've looked listen reg you look like this okay this is what i'm getting i'm getting thicker and that's not that's mean I'm getting thicker and the hair's going back and I don't even know how, how the ears getting bigger. They are not. The people's ears keep growing. This is, I'm sorry to say, Reg, this is what you look like. You may be rich. You may have, an, you may have a, a staff here to cater for you. Yes. But this is your plight. This is what you look like. Can you make one... Why don't you make one of Robert? He is, he looks fucked. Make one of him this year and say it's about, say it's him, say it's anyone but me. I'm. You want me to say this bust of you is Robert? Yes, because it's, 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 it's an abomination. I don't want that. I don't want to look at that when I walk into my bust room. I want to laugh at somebody else for once. I mean, I can say that it's Robert and I can label it Robert, but you have to at some point come to terms with this is a very accurate depiction of you it's it's accurate to you and your eyes but it's not accurate to how my spirit feels which is i want you to chisel chisel six six pack 
And also, can I have legs this time? You want a full body? I want a full body and I want a ripped body. All right? Just my, just my ugly mug. It's depressing. I'm a leader. Right. And that's, you lead regardless of aesthetic, Reg. We, res- well, I- we respect you. We just don't necessarily like to look at you. What's, what's the point of being a leader if I'm not being fawned over? As a prime minister, does anyone think I'm horny? Does anyone? Is oh, anyone everyone's, everyone's sure you're horny, but okay. <laughs> it's whether or not oh. you make them horny. Oh, so, oh okay. So it's, <laughs> I'm sick of being a one-way prime minister. I want to be horny and be horned over. <laughs> That's just unfortunately not how it works for everyone, Reg. Can't, Look, if you put just, I'm not even, I'm not just, just put it out, put someone else's name on the art, just pop it out and say, look at him. And I won't go outside for a couple of years. They'll think I'm ripped and jacked and they'll be, they'll be having sweet thoughts about me and I'll be having sweet thoughts about the people. Look again, I can do all of that, Reg. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Um, I'll, I'll I'll do a six pack on the body. I'll, 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 I'll render it into just uh, an unrecognizable form. Nice. And make you look like a god, but the problem is still going to exist that people know what you look like. <laughs> how can Isn't they know like... what I? How can they know what I look like? Here, all right, here's one request, one final request. Go on. Can you make the jaw detachable? And that goes out, and I man it from the back. Thank you so much, dude. I'll speak Thanks, to you soon. Man. See ya. Bye.